You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. The song worship this morning right there. So hopefully you're appreciative of that uh, because uh, singing does evidence the heart. Hopefully you're in the book of Acts. So we're going to dig on in. The title of the uh, lesson today is Building a Great Church. Building a Great Church. Of course, today is Easter Sunday, amen? Amen. And uh, you say, what do colored eggs and what do Easter bunnies and all that have to do with the resurrection? Absolutely nothing. That's the reason why we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about building a great church. But Michael Hart has some jokes that he wanted me to read to you. These are very, very, I I do not, these are not my jokes, but uh, Michael Hart sitting in the front row, the bigger man right there, he wanted to, uh, wanted me to ask you guys if you know how Easter bunnies stay healthy during this time of the year. Of course, it's a little, you have to do a little exercise. Exercise right there. So, of course, that's Michael Hart, your brother. Forgive him in the Lord. Uh, What do you call ten rabbits marching backwards? That's a receding hairline right there. It's a receding hairline. That was, that was again Michael Hart right there again, who who shared that joke. It was not me. Uh, I just, you know, uh, I'm here uh, to share what Michael had to say. And uh, why did the Easter egg go into hiding? He, he was a little chicken. He was a little... Little chicken right there, right there. So, uh, of course, again, that, that was Michael Hart who shared. He's a bigger man. You can't get mad at him right there for those jokes. But uh, happy Easter. Happy Easter. Are you guys in the book of Acts? Building a great church. You know, we throw around the term great all the time. And if I started asking you what the greatest football team was, what would you say? Oh. We got Madrid, West Ham, Africa, who said Africa, Barcelona, Huddersfield, Arsenal, we got to get a crown, if we got to get, we got to get a title if we're going to call Arsenal right there the greatest team, right? who said Man United, Mama Cat says Man United right there. Michael says they're all deceived. (laughs) You know, we get excited when you talk about a great team. Because you love to see your team win. Why? We love to celebrate. We love to celebrate. And we throw around the term great all the time. I had a had a great time. I, I, I've got this great wife. I have a great wife. She's a little sick today, but she's still a great wife. Amen. We say uh, I have great friends. Of course, I'm, uh, I'm excited. Uh, of course, visiting for the first time. Lisa, all the way from Los Angeles, California. She came on out to be with us to worship today. Amen. Make sure you give her a hug. And, of course, we uh, have personal great friends with George and Angelica Grima that have come all the way on over to worship with us today. They are the globe-trotting couple. They've been all over the, all over the globe, from New York to Paris. Now they're here in London. But uh, we, we are encouraged when we talk about having great friends. And, of course, if you're a teen or a campus, I see you guys walking around talking about the great deal you got on your iPad or your iPod. We 
get excited when we get a great deal on something right there. Yet we know you you, you got to pay the price for the kingdom. You got to pay the entire price. You can't go bargain hunting for the kingdom of God. Building a great church. Of course, the thing you don't hear talked about on the tube is building a great church. You hear about great movies. You hear about great things, but you don't hear people say, hey, what about building a great church? Not, not, not a good church. A great church. We're going to talk about that this morning. Because when Jesus resurrected, all he talked about was building a great church. Acts chapter 1. You guys with me here? Okay, written by the book. This is written by Luke, of course. Luke was uh, the guy who wrote the book of uh, Luke. (laughs) So he says in verse 1, in my former book, well, what's the former book? It's the book of Luke, amen? He says, in my former book, Theophilus. Now, Theophilus is a literary device. Theophilus means friend of God. Hopefully you feel like you are friends of God this morning. Okay, he's got three friends of God. Okay, all right. Okay, yeah. We got a few more friends of God. It says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And that's exactly what it means to be a Christian. You do it and you teach it. You don't just teach it. You don't just do You do both right there. You guys with me here? He says, all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day was taken to heaven. And one may say, well, how long do you do it? How long do you teach it? Until you're taken to heaven. You never grandfather into a position as a preacher where you don't do it and teach it. To follow Jesus, you got to do it and teach it until you're taken to heaven. You guys with me there? After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On occasion. While he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. But in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So then they met together. They asked asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? I mean, they were still confused about the kingdom of God. They were still confused. He said to them, it's not for you to know times or dates. The father has set by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the church said, you know what I love about this is Jesus resurrects. Jesus comes back and Jesus has one singular message. He preaches the kingdom of God. He preaches the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Well, Matthew chapter 16 tells us right here. If you flip on over there. Matthew 16. In verse 19, as Jesus is talking to Peter, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was, a, he was a Christ. But in verse 16, he says, Simon Peter answered him, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, son of Simon and Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The kingdom of God is the church. That's what, that's what Jesus says to Peter right there. He says, I will build my church. I mean, is that your conviction about the kingdom of God? I will build my church. I 
will build the kingdom in my house. I will build the kingdom in my neighborhood. I will build my church. I mean, to follow Jesus, you got to take ownership of the kingdom of God. I mean, that's, that's what he tells you. He said, I'm going I'm to build my church. It's going to happen. I'm going to make sure I live an example as a husband so that my wife sees the church in me. I'm going to make sure that I'm a, I'm, I'm a father when my kids see the church in me. I'm going to make sure that as a young man, I can... I, my parents can see the church in me. I'm not going to become religious, but I'm going to be right. I will build, just like Jesus says he'll build it. We got to build it. Are you guys with me right here? The kingdom of God is the church. And of course, I, I look at this here and Jesus had 40 days preaching the same message. You know, marriage, discipling, the kingdom of God. He goes into Bible talk, the kingdom of God. Someone comes out for the first time. Hey, let's do a Bible study, the kingdom of God. He had one singular message for the, for the disciples, the kingdom of God. We understand there are many different parallels and many different analogies that the Holy Bible teaches about the kingdom of God. I've been studying a few, and it's been, really been blowing me away uh, just how, 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 how many insights there are about the kingdom of God. And I like to think that maybe Jesus may have switched it up. Maybe he, he put a different spin on it. Of course, in Ephesians, Jesus compares the kingdom, the church, to being his what? His wife, his bride. And he says he doesn't... Oh, let's look over there, Ephesians chapter 4. Some of you looking at me like you don't believe me right there, so let's... Okay, let's look, Ephesians chapter 4. Let's turn on over there. It's actually chapter 5, I'm sorry. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ, the head of the church. His body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And the wives are fired up about that, right? Amen. And the wives are fired up about that, right? Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, you're not married yet, bro, so hang, hang in there. Hang in there. Hang in there. Husbands. You got to become one first. Husbands. Love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know, I like chicken wings. I'm not, I'm not alone in that. I see some of you. You got that gleam in your eye. You like chicken wings as well. I never forget when me and Michelle got married. She tested the love of me as a Christian man by asking for that last chicken wing on my plate. She asked for it with boldness. She said, I want that wing right there. I struggled a little bit in the Lord, but I gave her that wing. I had to give myself on up for her. And I saw this scripture coming to life in my life. I had to give up that wing. It says, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish. And of course, that's exactly what women hate. Sisters hate stains, wrinkles, and blemishes, right? I mean, you're not going to see a sister getting ready to get married walking down the aisle with a bunch of kebab sauce on her, on her dress right there. Ketchup stains on the, on, the, on the deal right here. And, you know, that's, that's, that's not going to be the sisters, right? They're, no, that's not. They're not fired up about that. We can learn something about that. Jesus doesn't want his church with a bunch of stains, blemishes, and wrinkles. He compares marriage to 
the church. And of course, down to verse 33, he says, however, each one of you, uh, one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and his wife must, and the wife must respect her husband. But in verse 32, I'm sorry, it says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. So the kingdom is the church. And so I like to think Jesus probably said someday you're going to get married to a bride. And he probably started telling them about the kingdom of God and how, how, how the church needs to be your bride right there. How the church is the bride of Jesus. Jesus is the bridegroom. He's Jesus is the bridegroom. And that's the reason why when John the Baptist came preaching and they started thinking he was the guy, he goes, no, no, no. He must become greater. I must become less. I'm only preparing the way for the bridegroom. Dare we say John was the best man. That's right. He was the best man. Preparing the church. Preparing for, 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 for Jesus to come and get his bride. For Jesus to come and, and, and really begin building his church. The bride. We understand that in the book of Genesis, Eve came out of Adam. Is that right? She, she came out of Adam. Of course, God pulled the rib on out right there. And we, we understand, you know, of course, Angelica may even remember when we were in, Angelica was in a similar ministry with me back in, uh, in Los Angeles. And there was a black guy that came up to me and he says, you know, I want you to, I'll come to your church as long as you tell me that Jesus was black. You know, I said, okay, I'm not going to go there. So, okay, if Jesus wasn't black, then Abraham was black. I'm not going there either. Okay, if Abraham, okay, Adam was a black man. Adam had to be a black man. Of course, he's giving me this militant pro-black sermon right there. And I'm going, you know, Adam wasn't a black man because the Bible says in Genesis he had to give up one of his ribs. And, you know, ain't no black man going to give up his ribs right there. So I helped him in the Lord right there. The woman comes on out. The woman comes out of the husband. The church comes out of Jesus. That's the reason why we are the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. And so even in that Old Testament story of Adam and Eve, there's still some insight about the church, about the kingdom of God. Of course, then Jesus gets, of course, crucified and the blood comes on out. And the Bible says in John chapter 19, not only blood came out, but water. The blood was symbolic to the blood he used to purchase the church that came out was symbolic as well because it would be how you would continue to be able to be in the church through the waters of baptism. That's a great, Jesus had a great message. I, I got a little, I got a little weak sauce in my looking at Acts chapter 2 if I, or Acts chapter 1. I thought he just said the same thing. I bet he, he had some different ways and clever ways he helped them understand the kingdom of God was, is God's church on earth. You guys with me there? Point number one is a great message. Jesus had a great message. A great message. 40 days preaching about the kingdom. The first question you got to ask yourself, is the kingdom of God a great message for you? I mean, that's the first thing you got. You got to go, is the kingdom, is the church, the kingdom of God, is, is it a great message for you? I mean, when you are grateful for your salvation, it's an incredible message. And you want others to understand the kingdom of God.
of God. Is Jesus still Lord? Or have you gotten bored? Is the message a great message? Or, or have you gotten bored with the, the great message? To build a great church, we've all got to grab hold of the great message. That great message is the kingdom of God. You guys still with me here? Yeah. Great movement. Number two, great movement. Acts chapter 1, verse 7. He said to them, it's not for you to know times or dates the Father set by his own authority. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going. Then suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him, men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who's been taken into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him. Go into heaven. And the church said, the first century church was a great movement. Any church that calls itself a church has to imitate what the Bible teaches that a church is. And so the first century church was a great movement that went all around the world. It wasn't a church that had only black folks in it. No. It wasn't a church that had only Irish people in it doing it. No. It wasn't a church that was all Filipino with adobo chicken. It wasn't all American. You know, you get to heaven, you're not going to have the black cloud, the American cloud, the Asian cloud. The Irish, you're not going to have, it's going to be one cloud. One movement. Are you a part of God's great church? Are you a part of a church that has every single nation in it? Are you a part of a church that calls for everything? Last time I checked, Pentecostal church don't call for everything. Catholic church don't call for everything. Mormon church don't call for everything. They don't call for everything. But Jesus' church, he wants everything. He calls for everything. God's church in the Bible calls for everything. And it was a great movement. They went all around the world. In 30 years, they evangelized the nations in one generation. If Jesus looked at us on Easter Sunday, he, he would want us to talk about what that resurrection should produce in us. Not just this morning, Jesus has died for me. Jesus rose for you. You need to rise for Jesus. It wouldn't be this downtrodden Jesus, depressed Jesus, as the world celebrates the death of Jesus at Calvary. Oh, oh, oh. oh Lord Jesus. No. Jesus rose. He resurrected. First century church was a great movement. You know, I've just got to lay out a couple of things that we, we, we may have forgotten here in London. Of course, when we began our church, we came out of the mainline Church of Christ. The mainline Church of Christ had a membership of 150. They had about 50 at midweek, seven baptisms a year, and six of those baptisms were kids of the members. 
Doesn't sound like a great movement. And of course, there were some other statistics. The divorce rate was about 50%. Uh, it, it just, the largest church uh, outside of the U.S. had a membership of 300 disciples. That was the largest church outside of the U.S. Uh, and of course, you know, sometimes you can read a scripture like this and you don't see any, you, you've read it so many times, there's no passion in your heart. But there was a young man who didn't see the passion in the church, but he saw the passion in the scriptures. How's our brother Kip? Now you say, well, well, what would Kip do? Well, Kip started a Bible talk. One of the Bible talks that Kip started had this incredible, incredible young man who was in that Bible talk. He said, well, who's this guy? His name is George Greenway, sitting right over there. What happened? In 1979, Kip began making disciples, doing what Jesus commands in the Bible. That produced 30 disciples. They began what's called the Boston Movement. What happened out of Boston? In 1982, Chicago was planted by the Fuquays. Later on in 1982, London was planted by Doug Arthur right there. Uh, In 1983, New York City was planted by Stephen Lisa Johnson. In 1985, Toronto was planted by the Boston Church, and Boston reached about 1,000 at that particular time. In 1986, we planted Johannesburg, Paris, France, Kingston, Jamaica, amen? In 1987, we planted Hong Kong, Bombay. We reconstructed certain churches. Atlanta was reconstructed. San Francisco, San Diego, Mexico City was reconstructed. In 1988, we went to Tokyo, Munich, Cairo, Egypt right there. Uh, In 1989, Boston sends out seven church. That's about seven years after they were planted. They send out seven church plantings. And, of course, that was Los Angeles, California. Of course, that is is, is home of the church right there that Angelica Grima now was baptized in Los Angeles, California. Amen. In 1989, of course, Miami was sent out. Seattle, D.C., Honolulu, Manila, and Bangkok. In 1991, we went out there to Moscow right there. We got any Eastern Europeans in the house. Okay, we got one seed back there. We got a couple seeds right there. In 1991, we sent out Moscow. They had 800 baptisms the first year. 800. 1992, Sydney, Australia went out. Of course, uh, Anton was there in Sydney, Australia. 1995, we went to Baghdad. 1996, L.A. breaks the 10,000 disciples. Can you imagine 10,000 sold-out disciples? That's what happened in 1996. In 1998, you say, well, maybe it was just an American thing. No, in 1998, 9,000 people packed the house at Wembley Stadium in North London right there. Of course, that's where the Belfast mission team happened. So you say, well, what happened right here? In 18 years, one church became 312 churches. One church in just 18 years. One nation became 124 nations. 30 would-be disciples came 150,000 sold-out disciples around the world. With the largest attendance being Los Angeles, California, 12,000 disciples. To quote one great man, that, that, that's not a movement of man. That is a movement of God. That's a movement of God. Just 19 years. Yet you go, okay, well, what is our new church? What's the new movement doing? Well, in our first movement, we sent out three churches in five years. 
But in the ICC, we're moving even faster. We're moving even faster. We've got 39 churches in six years, guys. You are in a movement. Question for you. Are you moving? Are you growing as a Christian? See, if you're in a movement, you move. <laughs> you move. You know, I, it's so great seeing uh, the growth of uh, James Morgan right there. And, of course, Deirdre Morgan. Uh, they've grown so much. Got to lift up the Fumas right there for the discipling right there, the Morgans. Uh, they've done a great job with them. You know, and James just comes to me with that wild hair look. You know how James is. He just gets an idea in his eyes. He's just like, <laughs> he's just so fired up right there. He's just, bro. We, we've we've got we've to have the crown of thorns in Europe. We've got to have crown of thorns. I said, bro, we've got to have crown of thorns in Europe. I can put it together right now. He goes, you know how James, he starts typing. He starts coming up on all these different cities that could be key cities here for us to evangelize. Of course, the crown of thorns is our global plan to evangelize the nations in one generation. And of course, this plan is from our mother church in Jerusalem. But last time I checked, we're we're not in America. We're in Europe. So we've got to have a Jerusalem over here. So we've got to have a crown of thorns over here. We've got to have Birmingham on that list. We've got to have Leeds on that list. We've got to send some churches out of here. Are you willing to go? You know, we sit here and we have this great church service Easter Sunday, but let me tell you something. Any sold out disciple, if you are a sold out disciple, you will be asked to go. You'll be asked to go. You'll be asked to move. The first century church was a great movement. And I just would like you to ask yourself a question. If everyone in the church was like me, what kind of church would we be? Ask yourself that question. Don't don't think about your husband. Don't think about your wife. Don't don't do it. Stop it. <laughs> just say, if everyone in the church was just like me, what kind of church would we be? I ask myself that question, and I'm challenged at how I need to grow as a Christian. I need to grow. I need to move. I need to move in my depth of my knowledge of the scriptures. I need to move in my. I need to. I need to grow. Have you grown as a Christian? Are you growing? That's awesome. I, I, we we got some disciples that have grown. But let me tell you something. you got to grow because someday you'll be asked to go. You'll be asked to go. Number three, great destiny. You guys still with me here? Great destiny. To build a great church, you got to see it as your great destiny. Check this out. Verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about a hundred and 20. Okay, stop right there. We read over that like that's simple. Would anyone say that someone outside of Jesus' ministry is saved? No, not no. You know what the Bible just showed you? Right? There were only 120 people saved in the entire world. Wow. Approximately 33 AD. 30, 33, you can debate that. But right around that time, only 100. That's probably less than the. Look at this room. 120. This is all God had to make his appeal through. 120 people to 
make his appeal that you guys are my bride. You guys are the church. He had only 120 people were saved. Can you imagine being a part of the 120? You're sitting there next to Doubting Thomas while Jesus is preaching and doubting as he's going. He's like, man, this this guy's broke. Me and Doubting Thomas, we're going to do it? Okay, amen. (laughs) Amen. That's kind of like us. We're we're, we're the ones. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Check this out. It says, brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled with the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas. Ah, he zeroes in on Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry with the reward he got for his wickedness. Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open. All his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called that field in their language, Alcadena. That is field of Blood. For said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms. May his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. May another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time. The Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of those, one of these must be come. A witness with us of the resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. They prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry. Which Judas left to go where he belongs. They cast lots, and a lot fell on Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles, and the church said, I want to zero in on something we've seen before. Right here, it says Judas was one of the number. He was one of the 120. He was one of the sold out disciples. But Judas made a choice. He chose darkness over the light. He chose the world instead of the kingdom of God. I can relate to Judas. The first time I came to our church and everybody in the entire church gave me a side hug and said something nice to me, I went, these guys, what do they want from me? What's, this is ah, why, stop trying to love me be mean to me like I'm used to ah, it, it just blew me away the love of the church I, I had never met a young woman walk up to me with such faith and look me directly in the eye and just go wow how are you doing how's your relationship with your mom how's your relationship with your dad just start asking me these deep questions with all confidence I, I was not used to that and yet this young woman had become a Christian and so when I came and saw the kingdom I was afraid I was afraid of the disciples I was afraid of the level of I was afraid I didn't see God I had so much impurity in my life masturbation pornography daily stealing lying on my cheating on my taxes I and I call myself a Christian yeah. call myself and I would definitely go to church on Easter yeah. and Christmas I think I was a creaster the Christmas and Easter right you got a lot of creasters out there though Easter time to go to church but what about the kingdom of God what about your lifestyle I was so afraid I threw God's grace back in his face, and, and it took me a long time to become a true Christian the way the Bible teaches. And so I made some bad decisions. Of course, Judas chose to fall away. He chose to fall away. You know, I'm so... You, 
can you can choose to fall away. You can choose to come back. Yeah. I'm so encouraged today because we have a young man who who made a poor choice. He says, you know, I, I'm going to choose the world over the kingdom. But today he's come back to be restored. And that's your brother Matthew Helney right there sitting there with a the nice tie on. What was the issue with Judas? He stopped seeing the kingdom as his great destiny. So next point, great destiny. Do you see the kingdom as your great destiny? Amen. It was your destiny from the time you before he formed you, he knew you and set you apart and said you will be a sold out disciple in the London International Christian. That, that, that's my destiny for you. I think Judas struggled. I think Judas struggled with believing only 120 people are saved. I think he wrestled with that. I think Judas struggled with giving his contribution. We know he stole money. So he totally struggled with special. It wasn't special missions to him. He had a special mission. He was stealing. I think Judas struggled with giving all the right answers. How do I, why do I believe that? Because you never see him getting discipled in the Bible. Peter got discipled. Lord, we need, what are you doing? You're not going to go to the cross. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Peter got some discipling. Peter got a lot of accountability. Judas knew exactly what to say. Hey, man, bro. Hey. Hey, yeah. Oh, doing great. Doing fine. <laughs> Dead inside. think he struggled with giving all the right answers. And in the end, it stopped him from seeing the kingdom of God as his great destiny. Do you see the kingdom? Do you see the church as your great destiny? The Bible says Judas went where he belonged. He chose to go to hell. You know, a lot of times you say, oh, I can't follow a God that sends people to hell. God doesn't send anyone to hell. You earn the right to go there. The wages of sin are death. And anyone who is not a baptized, sold-out disciple, you've already made your choice. If you're visiting with us today, I want to challenge you to ask one of the members what it means to be saved. And let them show you in the Bible what it means to be saved. Don't let this, this, this Easter Sunday be just another Easter Sunday. Don't walk out of here not knowing your destiny. Don't walk out of here not knowing God's plan for your life. Don't leave today without hearing the voice of God speak to you directly about your destiny. We all share a common destiny. Death. Every, every one of us. Death has no color. You can't plan for death. Death can happen. Death comes. And it's over. You see the kingdom as your destiny. I was raised, my mother raised me in Portland, Oregon. Of course, she's from Los Angeles. We lived in South Central, at least my mother lived in South Central, and then we moved to Portland, Oregon. Uh, Portland uh, has about 2% black people in it, uh, so it was a little bit of a transition for us at that particular time. Uh, but the comical thing about it is I was raised uh, drinking tea. Ever since I was probably about, I used to, Mom, why are you having another tea party? She'd get, no, it's English tea. She would give me English tea. 
So you got from South Central, we're sitting there having English tea right there, just like this, and we're doing the tea. And she had the whole, she had the cups, and we get in trouble if we messed with her tea set. You know, who's been in there? She grew up drinking tea. When I got about, probably about 18 years old, 19 years old, uh, all my friends started calling me European Michael. You know, when you're 18, 19, you think you kind of have some style, kind of, you know, kind of 20 right around there, kind of like Diffu and Ashley, you know, you you start to kind of develop your style. And, you know, sadly, before 18, I had a jerry curl, and that's that's a wicked sin of the devil right there. It's in the Bible. I don't know where it's at, but it's there. And so I started getting my style, and I had these cool European shirts and European jeans. And my friends just started calling me European Michael. I hated that name. Oh, you think you're cool, like the Europeans are so cool. They've got the dress shoes with the rubber soles. They're so fashionable. And This is before I met anyone that told me anything about the gospel. My nickname was European Mike. God was just laughing because he was creating. He was going to use that one day. He's like, I'm trying to set up your destiny right here. I owned a European car. Do you see everything that's happened in your life as something that God has used to set up your great destiny? To become a sold-out disciple. To be in the kingdom of God. To be a Christian. Or do you see the challenges and the things that maybe you don't understand as not part of God's plan? To build a great church. Everyone in the kingdom has to see this church as a part of their great destiny. You know, I'm so encouraged at what's going on around the world. Of course, Chris Broom writes about what's going on in Orange County right there. They believe it's their destiny. Chris says, today we announced that after 2013 Global Leadership Conference in August, we'll be sending Joel and Courtney to lead the Syracuse International Christian Church. Now, here's the thing. Joel... This is the church. Well, let me keep reading. Let me not mess it up. It says, like Ricky and Colleen Chalinor, Joel will return to lead the church that he was baptized into as a teen. Over the years, the Syracuse disciples have sacrificed so much for God's movement, and we affectionately call this congrega- congregation the little church that could. And the church said, Amen. Joel got baptized as a teen, went out to Chicago, went to L.A., And now his great destiny is to come back and lead the church he was baptized in. I I wonder, I wonder 20 years from now, 15 years from now, who will lead the London International Christian Church? I wonder whose destiny is being sown right now. Because, of course, Joel is going back there. You say, well, maybe Joel's the only one. Well, hold on. Tyler and Shay Sears. We know Tyler came to London to help the campus ministry. Amen? Tyler and Shay Sears, they write, we are now the Dallas mission team leaders. says, will you not revive us again that our people may rejoice in you? Psalm chapter 85, verse 6. We would like to formally announce the initiation of the Dallas-Fort Worth Remnant Group in July 2013. Our plan is that after the Dallas Remnant Group starts uh, for Dallas, Texas, Fort Worth, they will set aside a weekly tithe, a weekly collection to offset all the cost for the official church planting. Then, Lord willing, 
He will send us with the necessary funds in hand, Tyler and Shay, myself. We will join either this December or April 2014, and the rest of the mission team will come as a formal planting for Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. We see it as our great destiny. Tyler came here, and now he's going to leave Texas. Wow. You know Tyler, some of you. Yeah, God has a great destiny for him. Has a great destiny. And lastly, I mean, this, this, this is so powerful. i gotta, gotta got to read the good news from my brother, Raul, down there in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Raul says, at the present time, there's a remnant chosen by grace. Romans chapter 11, verse 5. God's plan has always been to gather his faithful remnant so that God could bless the earth with the knowledge of him. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 9 through 12. In 1987, the Sao Paulo International Church of Christ, ICOC, was planted. By 2001, the vibrant congregation numbered 3,200 disciples with an attendance of 5,000 disciples, as well as having planted six other ICOC congregations around Brazil. However, at the Unity meeting in L.A. in November 2002, the ICOC returned to a mainline Church of Christ theology, abandoning the biblical teachings of Kip and Keen uh, that started the ICOC Boston movement through discipling, central leadership, and Jesus' vision to evangelize the nations in one generation. In fact, the return to the mainline Church of Christ theology was so complete that Sao Paulo International Church of Christ changed its name to Sao Paulo Church of Christ. Getting rid of the international, of course. Also vividly underlying this damaging departure from main, to mainline Church of Christ theology, the Porto Alger, Brazil, ICOC, was totally disbanded when her leaders told the members to go to the mainline Church of Christ. In February 2003, just three months after the, the unity meeting, where the ICLC central leadership was dissolved and called unbiblical, the Crete letter became the match that set off the explosion of bitterness throughout the entire world that was left known as the ICLC. So not only did the former Sao Paulo ICLC church fall to 800 members, but they became autonomous and most stayed and most that stayed grew very, very, very lukewarm. Then a short time later, it's 12 sectors separated and became autonomous from each other. One of those sectors, the East sector, became the Arthur Albert became the Artur Alvin Church, which was led by Renato and Maria Jose's Tria. Since Renato was always has always believed that there needs to be a movement, as in the Bible, to evangelize the world, it is not surprising that certain leaders in Sao Paulo Church of Christ tried to fire the trios, but Renato's congregation stood by him. Then a little over two years ago, Renato reached out to Kip on Facebook. From that time, Kip and Linda and I have studied the scriptures with the trios about God's remnant through the centuries. So it's gr- with great exciting... So it was very exciting last week as Renato and Maria Hosses courageously called their whole church of about 90 on the roster to join God's movement of churches around the world. Although this was their membership on paper, only about 40 were attending midweek services showing their true membership. Unfortunately, the financial board did not want to be called back to total commitment of what the scripture says. And they opposed Renato by coming to the front and speaking out loud in the church after Renato made the announcement last Sunday. For the last eight days, they have conjured up terrible lies about Renato and Maria's uh, character. They have poisoned many churches, Acts chapter 14, verse 2. They said... For us in Sao Paulo, International Christian Church, today was historic as Renato 
and Maria Tria officially joined God's modern day movement, placing membership along with five undersold out disciples who believe it's their great destiny to God be all the glory. To build a great church, you've got to see it as your destiny. It can't be just a religious duty. It can't be just a religious meeting. This is your destiny. And God chose you and you need to choose God. That scripture highlights that we get to choose where we want to go. Great numbers. To build a great church, it takes great numbers. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Verse 42. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We all need to be devoted to that, right? All the leaders were filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Oh, okay. All the campus disciples were filled with... Oh, all the married disciples. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common, selling their possessions and good. They gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Wow. So now you've got 120 and then you got 3,000. So the church wasn't just 3,000. This was the 3,120 were devoted. The 3,120 were in the fellowship. The 3,120 were eating bread and breaking, were breaking bread and eating with each other in their homes. Those are great numbers. Look at Acts chapter 4. Oh my God. It says, but many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. 5,000 guys <coughs> screaming, grunting, yelling, scratching. Men. You got to ask yourself does it fire you up for men to become disciples? You got to ask yourself if you are in a church where men are becoming disciples. You got to ask yourself, are, 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 are men hearing the message and responding? I believe people, men aren't becoming disciples because there's not a real man really preaching the real message. Yeah. Calling for real commitment from real men. Real men want to do something. We were made to want to do something. How much more important is the gospel than anything else that we can desire? Yeah. It says men grew to about 5,000 Acts chapter 4. Great numbers. Verse 14. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Acts chapter 6. Verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing. That's how it was in those days. That's how it needs to be in these days. It says when the number of disciples was increasing, increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So let's find out if they fall away, get bitter, and say, I, I'm not a part of the kingdom because I'm being overlooked. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men 
from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We'll turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This, prepare, this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Also, Philip, Procarius, Nicanor, Timus, Perminius, uh, Nicholas, Antioch, a bunch of names that don't sound like Nigerian names right there. Amen. Uh, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed, laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Do you believe a Catholic priest can become a disciple? It says right there, priests became obedient to the faith. Yet we know in 1 Peter, the Bible says all Christians are a royal priesthood. There is no one man that is more better than other men. Jesus is the only one who is our high priest. So the whole teaching of a pope is, is false teaching. It is not in the Bible. It is not a scriptural teaching. And right here it says the number of disciples was increasing. They had great numbers. Acts chapter 9. You guys still with me here? Yeah. Acts chapter 9. In verse 31. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in fear of the Lord. And that's what helps you grow in numbers, when you live in fear of the Lord. Acts chapter 11. Verse 21. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Acts chapter 12, verse 24. It says, but the word of God continued to increase and spread. Acts chapter 13, verse 49. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Now you're getting the formulization of whole regions. Because the word has started to spread, now you're starting new regions. You know, I'm so excited about today's communion and contribution. It's going to be done by George and Angelica Grima. But not only are they going to be doing the communion and contribution, they're moving to London, England to start the West region. And I guarantee you, you ask George, he'll say, it's been worth it. It's been worth it. He sees the kingdom as his great destiny. And I know we're going to have great numbers on the West. So, I mean, there's so much more to talk about, but for time, we've got to stop. There was such great leadership. There were so many great converts in the, in, in the book of Acts. But in the end, if you look at Acts chapter 8, we're going to end here. Acts chapter 8. Building a great church. In verse 1, it says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. See, God's great church has great persecution. Great persecution. Are you in a church getting great persecution? I mean, are you called a cult? Are you told you... You control people's mind. I mean, that, that's some of the criticism that's been said about us just because we call people to the standard of the scriptures. Yet we see in the Bible, the church had great persecution. You guys with me there? 
says, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. That's how the church is built, from house to house. That's how the church is destroyed, from house to house. Hopefully your house is doing well spiritually. Amen? (laughs) Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. To build a great church, there's got to be great joy. There's got to be great joy. You, you, you just got to be fired up about building the church. You, you, you can't see all the work and be down. You, you gotta, there's gotta be great. It says right here, there was, there was paralytics, cripples were being healed. People who couldn't walk with God, they were coming to God. People who had ailments were being healed of them. People who were, who were paralyzed spiritually, they were now starting to feel and able to really understand what it really meant to have a great salvation. And it was great joy in the hearts of the disciples. I just gotta ask you. Are you happy? Are you happy? Are, are you just full of joy? You're just fired up. I mean, you've got your challenges. you got your struggles. Amen. There's great joy in your heart. You've hidden the word in your heart. And there's, a, there's a joy there. there. There's something wrong when the joy is missing. When you, when you are not happy when the kingdom is just church and you sing or standing in the light of God you sing it but th- th- there's no real joy there are, are you happy yeah. Romans says God's will is good it's pleasing and it's what perfect. it's perfect sure you believe that God's will is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. Your marriage, who you've married as a a disciple, it's God's will. There should be great joy there. It's good, pleasing, and it's perfect. There's one disciple that fires me up. And it isn't because this disciple didn't have challenges. It's our sister Maria Hart. She's got challenges. I I won't share her challenges. You can talk to her. She's a very mature Christian. Um, You can chat with her. But you know what I I appreciate about her? What helps me spiritually is that every time you see Maria, she's got great joy in her heart. Let me tell you something. She's gone through a few things. But she gets her needs met from God. And there's a joy there. I just want to challenge that we we got we got to get joyful. Some of you young disciples, you're walking around here. I can't raise special man. I'm a comp poor. If you're in college, you are not poor. If you are going to a college, you are not poor. You are rich. If you live in America, if you live in the UK, you are rich. Period. Don't give me this. I'm oh. oh, oh. 15 times. Should we be, one brother came to me, should we be raising a 15 times mission? I mean, can't we just put all the burden on L.A.? 
have great joy, guys. You have great joy. We just, we just gotta we gotta know that God God is building an amazing church. Right? I look around, I see the faces, the different nations, and I just go, "Wow!" Seeds of hope for nations. I look back, I see our brother Joppy there, and I go, "Okay, Ethiopia, right there. We're gonna get to Ethiopia." I see Jock and Jeanette, and I don't I don't want to talk about it, but I know we're gonna lose them someday. They're gonna go somewhere. I know they're gonna go somewhere. Someday. They'll go somewhere. See our young convert there, Jamal. Jamal had no faith. Jamal was homeless, living in a squat, and now believes that Jesus is, is Lord. And always has great joy in his heart. To build a great church, we need to put these principles into practice. To God be all the glory. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one